Hey, y'all. It's the NPR Politics Podcast. Now that the conventions are well behind us and the candidates are back out on the trail, we thought it would be a fun time to talk about the campaign and food. I have never seen a human being eat in such a disgusting fashion. It's awkward eating in front mm-hmm. of the press. They wanted you to eat in front of you, didn't they? Of course. They could get, well, because they could get a funny shot. Everything you do can and will be used against you in a campaign. That last voice was from former presidential candidate Mike Huckabee. We're going to talk about the perils of eating on the campaign trail, whether you are a candidate or one of us. I'm Sam Sanders, campaign reporter. I'm Tamara Keith. I cover the White House in the campaign. I'm Scott Detrow, campaign reporter. And we have a special guest today. This topic comes to us by way of the great Dan Pashman. He hosts a podcast all about food called The Sporkful from WNYC Studios. He had an episode recently about this. I just listened to it. It's great. Dan is in New York with us right now via technology. Hi, Dan. Hey, guys. I am currently eating a Cuban sandwich. And I wanted to ask you about Cuban sandwiches. Because here's my beef with Cuban sandwiches. They actually aren't that good. <laughs> I love the spicy mustard. I know, but I'm just saying, like, and I like feel like melt, I the feel bad situation. in not liking them. I just don't like them. I love Cuban sandwiches. Sorry about your Cuban sandwich, Sam. <laughs> you know what? I'm a survivor, and I'm going to get through this. <laughs> you know, the, you want to know where, where I had the worst Cuban sandwich of my life? Do tell. Cuba? Cuba. <laughs> Why? Yeah. I mean, borderline Cuba-ish. I was I was reporting from the naval base at Guantanamo Bay, and they have this. <laughs> well, <laughs> right. <laughs> they have this um, on the base. They have this like Irish pub that's like the, no. It makes <laughs> Irish pubs in Times Square look authentic. Wait, why would there be an Irish pub at Guantanamo Bay in Cuba? Well, oh, because no. you, it's it's a huge it's a huge military base. There's a lot that goes on there that has nothing to do with the prisoners yeah, or the yeah. uh, detainees that we hear about. And so, all the big military bases around the world, they try to like give the troops a taste of home. Uh, and so, they they have this Irish pub that had this terribly stereotypical name like Mick O'Herlihy's or something. <laughs> <laughs> And they had a Cuban sandwich on the menu, and I was Wait, like, well, how many— Wait, why did the Irish pub have a Cuban sandwich on the menu? Because it was not an authentic Cuba. Irish pub. <laughs> because why not? Right, exactly. <laughs> that sounds terrible. So yeah. it wasn't good. It was not good, but I was like, how many chances am I going to get to do this in my life? I might as well go for it. I love it. So, Dan, you might be the first non-political guest here on our podcast— Unless we count Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer, who was supposed to be apolitical, but whatevs. It's like a humble brag. Right yeah. There. <laughs> <laughs> you know, other than Stephen Breyer. I didn't talk whatever. to him. Elsa Chang talked to him. But you had an episode recently on your show uh, called When a Tamale Determines a Presidency. Snaps for that amazing title. Um, we'll explain the story behind that title. But let's get something out of our system first. No pun intended. Uh, what is the best food when you are a podcaster on the road? Well, I would say when I'm on the road, everything I eat falls into one of two categories. There's functional stuff. Yes. Like, because if I'm on the road for work, from you know, for, as you guys know, you're working, you're doing recordings, you have interviews scheduled, you're running. And sometimes you just need to put food in your stomach to give you energy to carry on in life. Mm-hmm. And then it's just sort of like, you know, uh, a kind bar or something like that or a banana. Uh, I'm a huge proponent of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches huh. and almond and almond butter and jelly sandwiches. Like A, B, and J is my go-to. <laughs> Anytime I'm getting on an airplane, I will have three almond butter and jelly sandwiches in my bag. So that's like the functional side of it, you know. Okay. Then I will always make a point wherever I am to set aside a little bit of time to like find a special food in that place mm. that I would not easily be able to get yeah. at home. Yeah, I'm always looking for the local beer. 
Like yeah. the my you know, I go to a bar. I don't care if it is a fake Irish pub. <laughs> like uh, recently, when I was trapped in Tampa for a night, nothing against Tampa, but our plane couldn't take off. And I was like, "Hello, Irish pub. Yeah. What do you have that's local?" Yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm kind of w- with Tam here, where what I that is that is like my goal where I, when I start the day. But what ends <laughs> up is being, what can I eat at one in the morning? Because that's when I filed my last story, and now I'm like trying to make my way back to the hotel. Oh man, Ew. that's a sad story. I, I'm curious though, Tam. I hear a lot of stories about the Clinton campaign and the relationship with the press and the press's relationship t- with Hillary uh, not being the greatest. And I feel like food is such an easy way for a campaign to butter up reporters. Well, they. They often do a really good job of feeding us, I will say. Or like suddenly iced coffee appears. Yeah. But this recent bus tour, really? it was just a rolling disaster on the food front. I was always fed well with Bernie Sanders' campaign whenever I was out with them. There was one trip, I think right before we went to Vermont for the primary, we're, we're taking the plane. Jane Sanders, his wife, comes to the press part of the plane with, like, this fruit basket full of, like, organic, natural Vermont treats. And she starts passing them out. And then she's like, here's where you guys should go once you get to Vermont. And she gives us, like, this food chat and all these organic, healthy treats. And I was just like, thanks. You know what my favorite food moment from this campaign is? What? Uh, Dan was not there, but you guys were there. Um, between <laughs> Iowa and New Hampshire, you guys were both in Iowa. Oh, my God. You got on planes and flew to New Hampshire. In yes. the middle of the night. Was. While filing. <laughs> I picked you up at the airport at like 4.30 oh, in the morning. A, we got a basket of bacon. Yeah, we went to that diner. It was like this. Uh, it was the Red Arrow in Manchester, New Hampshire. Yeah, which is like this iconic diner. But Tam ordered a mug of bacon. And it was like, it was a big mug that was stacked with like, 30 pieces of bacon and a extra crispy with like maple syrup. And this is and like 5.30 a.m. Yeah. Like we, none of us had slept. Maybe Scott slept a few hours. It was exactly it was what the doctor though. ordered. Yeah. And, and Tam, were you still were you still feeling good about that order several hours later? No, actually, no. No, I, I wasn't feeling very good. I wouldn't. Like a month's worth of salt intake in 10 right. minutes. Right. <laughs> so when we eat on the trail... No one's really watching us, but when politicians do, all eyes are on them. Uh, We heard in the intro a couple of clips from your show, Dan, one of Donald Trump talking about Ohio Governor John Kasich eating during the campaign, which was problematic because cameras caught him eating in a way that some folks did not like. Like, what happened there? Well, uh, Trump is very careful not to eat in front of people Yes, whenever he can avoid it. There was an incident back in 2011 when Sarah Palin came to New York and she had a meeting with Trump and they went out for New York pizza together. It was supposed to be their authentic New York experience even though they went for pizza like in Times Square. It was like a Sparrow, right? Yeah. Based, <laughs> Wait, they it, went to a Sabaros? It, it wasn't literally. It was like some other smaller chain but about the same level of pizza. Mm. <laughs> Trump, first he stacked one slice on top of the other. Oh, which, the horror. which is a, that, that's a maneuver I call the Travolta because John Travolta <laughs> does that in the opening credits of Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> and to me, that does create a, uh, an interesting textural sensation. It does have its merits, but well, the I hot know, air is getting stuck between the slices, and that must make it slimy. Well, that was John Stewart's big issue with the Trump move. He said the steam from the bottom slice goes up to the top slice, and it will turn the crust, the bottom crust of the top slice will turn soggy. Ew. But then Trump went and ate the pizza with a knife and fork. And that... But then he made fun of Kasich for doing the same thing, right? He, he made fun of Kasich for eating. I mean, Kasich on the trail it was eating with a lot of gusto. Okay. And shoveling a lot of food in his face. Which I think is it's super interesting that Trump 
uses the word disgusting so much, he used it to describe Kasich's eating in that clip. Well, he's a neat freak, though, right? Right. He's a neat freak. He's a germaphobe. He was just recently, this past week, he got criticized for eating KFC with a knife and fork. Well, one, okay, two points of offense. Please. Knife and fork for fried chicken? No. Secondly, it should be Popeye's. Yeah. You know, Popeye's isn't available everywhere. And that's a crime against humanity. <laughs> Can we go back to the Kasich thing for a second? Yes. Just because uh, that was a moment of, of personal bias for me. Uh, there, that, that, the first moment of Kasich really eating, he was uh, he was in the Bronx on uh, Arthur Ave, this Italian neighborhood in the Bronx, and he got like like plates and plates and plates of food, and he was wolfing it all down. He ate like a sandwich. He ate some pasta. He ate everything. And I saw that, and I was like didn't phase me at all because I went to school about two blocks from there and I was like, oh yeah, that's what you do when you're in Arthur Ave. You eat that much food and you eat it really quickly. Yeah. Like, yeah, good move, John Kasich. Did not occur to me that that might seem yeah. strange. But also it's like, there's <laughs> these, I mean like, I feel like he is of one school of politician where he's like, I'm a nice guy. Bring me the food of your people. I will eat it. I will be with you in this moment and like show that I'm one of you. Whereas someone like Hillary Clinton is not playing that game at all. Like she never, ever, ever eats in public, right? Right. Well, can we just say there might be a double standard? I'm sure, but I'm just saying, like, there are those two schools. Of course, I feel like she probably would be up for more more critique. And a Dan's episode about this talks about that standard. But it's interesting to see how there are such differing schools. Like, is there a happy medium? And, and, and like, if so, who is in it? Well, first I'll say yes, Tamara. I think there is a, a double standard. We played a clip in this episode of The Sporkful where Hillary eats some ice cream. And, and they, someone yeah. from the press asks, what's the calorie, what's the calorie count, count on the ice cream? And, and the crowd starts booing the reporter, <laughs> which is great. But like, I, I totally think that I can't imagine any reporter would even think to ask that question to Donald Trump if he was eating ice cream. But then, Sam, in terms of like a happy medium, you know, Mike Huckabee was so thoughtful on this issue. In I remember episode. it. Yeah, he was really good. He said, you got to find a happy medium because if you if you're too dainty in the way you eat, people will think you're hoity-toity and that can hurt you. But if you dig into a food with too much gusto, then you look like a pig and that can also hurt you. So you do need to find a happy medium. There's really an art to eating on camera in front of people to transmit the right message. I think that we've we're at a point now where we all like like the sharks are circling anytime a politician like approaches food and everybody is so ready to jump on what they did wrong or how they ate that I feel like it takes away from it like like the cheesesteak thing there's always an issue with how candidates order cheesesteaks and John Kerry like he clearly, got Swiss cheese on Yeah, Swiss yeah. cheese in 2004 that was clearly a mistake but uh Scott Walker went to order a cheesesteak uh last year remember when he was running for president and he ordered it without onions, and everybody freaked out. And it's like, I don't know. I personally get a lot of onions on my cheesesteak, but I feel like ordering a cheesesteak without onions is within the bounds of a cheesesteak order. But, like, everybody was so ready for, like, the cheesesteak mess up that they just, like, went nuts on, on the onions. Everybody's just waiting for the next cheesy grits. We're all <laughs> looking for the next cheesy grits. Dan, do you want to explain what that was? Yeah, that was Romney a couple years back. Uh, he was campaigning in Mississippi. And, you know, it, it, it was sort of a great microcosm of his campaign or some of the issues he ran into because he said, I got started right this morning with a biscuit and some cheesy grits. I'll tell you. Delicious. Hilton Garden Inn knows just what to serve me in the morning. Cheesy grits, which, you know, as you can tell people, Tamara, it's, it's supposed to be cheese grits. Yeah. And if you call something in the South cheesy, it's like saying it's lame. Yeah. I want your lame grits. <laughs> right, right. It was an example of Romney kind of trying to act like a local and doing it in a stiff sort of ham-handed way and everyone calling him yeah. on it. 
I'm really interested in the way, especially as our country becomes more diverse, the foods candidates eat can send certain signals to various communities. Like there's Trump with that taco bowl. You know, there is (laughs) Hillary Clinton, whether or not she has hot sauce in her bag. Like there are cues that are more than about just being folksy, but like they can be offensive almost on a racial or group level. Totally. Or they can connect with people. Like yeah. I, like um, when Obama was in, I want to say it was Thailand or Vietnam when he went with Anthony Bourdain. Yeah. They went out for noodles and there was a photo of them talking and Obama had rested his chopsticks on the side of the bowl, like horizontally. He didn't stick them down in the bowl like you would put a, a stick into a pile of hay. <laughs> and, and, and that's considered in Asian culture to be a no-no. And Obama rested his chopsticks on the bowl properly and I saw a lot of people on Twitter and talking about, like, especially Asian American people, like, it really impressed them and moved them that huh. he knew how to do it correctly and that yeah. they felt it made them feel more of a connection to him. Yeah. And it's like now there's some of these gestures that just feel rote. It feels like every candidate for the Dems has to go to Sylvia's in Harlem with Al Sharpton and they got to do the thing. And I'm just like, no, you don't have to eat soul food to, like, be nice to black people. Right. You don't. <laughs> Maybe Al Sharpton only takes meetings at Sylvia's. Yeah, could be. <laughs> but I'm, I'm curious to hear from you guys this idea of the sort of the expectations that we put on our candidates mm-hmm. to simultaneously communicate a feeling of authenticity and accessibility and eating regular folk food is one way that they try to do that. But on the other hand, we seem to hold them up to this impossible standard so that, to the point that now they're all afraid to eat in front of us because if they spill something on themselves, we'll all be watching and hearing about that instant for the rest of their lives. And, and when they do eat in front of us, it's like this totally manufactured fake moment. Like, like think about trying to eat your lunch with like 15 cameras in your face. I mean, Tam, you were just on the road with Hillary Clinton. When they ordered milkshakes, when she and Tim Kaine ordered milkshakes, how many people were, like, pointing some sort of electronic device at them? <laughs> well, there was a pool, so there were probably only about 13 of us. Uh, only 10 or 13. 13. Only 13. You know, that's what happens <laughs> when I get ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, uh, at one point, Tim Kaine's wife has picked up these, like, crunchy green bean snacks huh. because it's, like, a country store. And she turns around... And all of a sudden, there's like, shutter, 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 shutter. And Tim Kane is like, look at this. We come to an ice cream shop, and she's getting green beans. Dad. (laughs) (laughs) And I never actually saw Hillary Clinton drink her milkshake because she walks out holding it. It still has the straw wrapper on the straw. And then all these people want to take pictures with her. So, of course, she can't drink her milkshake. So she ultimately hands it off to somebody I mean, for her sake, I hope she got to drink it later, but it was probably melted by the time she got on the bus. Right. You know who's not having milkshakes anymore? Bill Clinton. He's like healthy now, right? He's a vegan. He's allegedly. Vegan. And he was like the most eatenest guy on the trail for a while, wasn't he? Oh, he got he would so eat. mocked for eating McDonald's. Yeah. Right, right. And apparently he still go- likes to go to McDonald's and he'll get coffee. <laughs> they have decent coffee. They actually do have decent coffee. When I was, um, I was following him around one day in Iowa, in between point A and point B, like the only place to stop. There was like one McDonald's in between. He's and I needed there. a coffee anyway. So I was like, I'm going to go to this coffee. And then I had this fantasy that maybe like Bill Clinton would barge into <laughs> McDonald's like SNL style. It did not happen. It was just like three minutes of me entertaining myself in the middle of like a, a three hour drive of one straight road. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, as you say, Scott, there's that famous Saturday Night Live sketch with Phil Hartman as Bill Clinton coming into a McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> so are you going to finish these fries? <laughs> Picking up everyone else's food and eating it. 
Well, if you're not going to eat him. <laughs> As he uh, holds forth on the finer points of foreign policy. See, right now, we're sending food to Somalia. But it's not getting to the people who need it because it's being intercepted by warlords. <laughs> <laughs> now, the title of your episode, all about these topics, has the word tamale in the title. There's a story behind this. Will you tell us that story? I will. Although I should say I was corrected by a uh, Hispanic sporkful listener who said that uh, I didn't know that tamal is the singular. So our title should have been when a tamal determines the presidency. So grammatical apologies to the Spanish speakers oh, What did out your title there. say? When a tamale uh, determines the presidency. Oh. Because, you know, we've sort of uh, distorted the grammar yes. in in English here, and that's how we say it. Is the it. plural still tamales, or is the plural tamales? I think it's tamales, but okay. now we're going to have to fact check. Now we have to fact check something, sorry, Scott. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Go <okay>. on. <laughs> yeah, so this was a story that Mike Huckabee told us in this episode. It was back in 1976, Gerald Ford was running for president against Jimmy Carter, and Ford went to Texas for a campaign stop. And I was living in Texas at the time. He went to San Antonio. My hometown. And someone handed him a tamale. And being from Mission, I guess he was a little unfamiliar with tamales, so he took it, and he tried to eat it, but he didn't take the shuck off. Oh, yeah, so he yeah, left yeah. the shuck on the tamale. <laughs> well, every newscast in Texas, all weekend long, all they did was show Gerald Ford not knowing how to eat a tamale. As they should have. <laughs> to this day, I am convinced that it was that gaffe with the tamale that cost him the state of Texas. Carter won Texas, and Carter won the presidency. And it may have been a tamale that did it. Was he just like gnawing on the corn? Husk? So here's the thing. I am I, I am from San Antonio, Texas. I've been eating tamales since I was a kid. No one had to give me the lesson on how to eat it. You see it, you see the shell thing on you know you, you should wow, eat that. Wow, that's not edible. Exactly. How do you not I don't I'm just picturing trying to like chew through the corn husk. Like, yeah. mm, this is great. After the first bite, you should be like, okay, cannot compute. This, Something's not working it's here. It's like the right. first time I had edamame and I didn't realize you're supposed to get the little <laughs> beans out. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> Do you think, Dan, though, that this really cost him the state, or was Huckabee exaggerating, maybe? Uh I- I can't say for sure. I suspect he was probably exaggerating a little bit. But one thing we learned in this episode of The Sporkful, we talked to some political strategists and what they said, and I'm sure you guys have seen this in your work, the gaffes that really hurt candidates are the ones that reinforce yeah. pre-existing mm-hmm. opinions. Yeah. And so, you know, if there was already a perception that Ford was this guy from Michigan who was out of touch with Texas with Texans' ways, and Jimmy Carter was a humble peanut farmer from Georgia— it just reinforced the perception that he wasn't one of them. Although I think one of the things that's interesting is that sometimes there are multiple ways to interpret a food interaction mm-hmm. on the campaign trail. And I think the media and voters will usually choose to interpret it as reinforcing a pre-existing opinion, yeah. even if that ends up being an unfair reading of what happened. You know, like Mitt Romney when he was running for president, went to the Iowa State Fair, uh, where there's a classic photo op that all the candidates do. I'm sure you guys have covered it. They go and they flip pork chops at the pork tent. And Mm -hmm. Romney goes to do it, and he flips a pork chop, and he drops one on the ground. Happens to the best of us. Right. And he was lampooned. And and the, the story was, look at Romney trying to act like a regular guy and failing. And, oh, and he picked up the pork chop off the ground and put it back on the grill. I'm okay with that. Five-second rule. I'm actually okay with that. Exactly. Like, to me, that humanizes him. 
You know, it humanizes, it makes him like anyone else. Like, who else? Most of us would probably do that. Unless you but worked yet, at a restaurant, I guess. That's, that's probably no, what you probably well, would too if you worked at a restaurant. <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've worked in restaurants. Believe me, I've seen <laughs> worse than that. I've seen worse than that in my day. But, you know, so so it easily could have been interpreted as, like, look at Romney. He, even He's someone as rich as Mitt Romney yeah. doesn't want, couldn't, couldn't bear to waste a pork chop. And that kind of makes me like him. But the story coming out was look at him, you know, trying to be normal and failing. Can we just, before we go, the worst food to eat on the campaign trail, the one food that should not touch your lips? French toast sticks. Ooh. <laughs> it's a mess every time. With the syrup, <laughs> it is a mess. I was thinking of the corn dog. Oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, dear guest Dan, before we go... Plug your show. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so the Sporkful podcast, we say it's not for foodies, it's for eaters. Ooh. And it's a show where we obsess about food to try to learn more about people. We got a show up this week uh, where I run around Philadelphia eating the city's most iconic foods, cheesesteak and scrapple and pork sandwiches. And then I bring them back to the Monell Chemical Census Center and I eat them <laughs> with a scientist. <laughs> and we actually learn about why we love these foods so much. Yeah. Other episodes we do like with a, with comedians. I just we did one with Phoebe Robinson recently where we talked about oh, she's great. what it's like to go out to eat in a restaurant when you're in an interracial couple. Mm. And she talked about that. We did one with Jim Gaffigan where he talked about what it's like to eat with his five kids. So we cover a lot of different ground and it's fun and we think uh people learn something along the way. And well that's corny. Who says that? Um That's fine. That's like the cheesy grits of <laughs> yeah. promos. I know, right. C- can you guys insert the the more you know sound right there? <laughs> <laughs> So it's a fun show, and uh, it's available wherever people get their podcasts, wherever you got this podcast. So check it out. Okay. All right. One quick final question just from me. Yes or no, that's all you get. Grits with sugar, grits with salt. Both. Oh, oh you're a politician. Salty desserts are, are pretty timeless. Yeah. You know, if you could kind of a- achieve like a kettle corn style balance in your grits. Because the salt brings the Ooh. sugar out. Yeah. Yeah. Call it kettle corn grits and it will sell like hotcakes. Okay. Boom. You guys can have that. That's free. Thank you, sir. I do appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. We'll be back Thursday with our roundup of the week's more serious news about politics. As always, catch our political coverage on your local public radio station and in the Election Essentials section of the NPR One app. Dan Pashman, his recent episode of The Sporkful from WNYC Studios on campaign trail food is called When a Tamal or Tamale Determines the Presidency. Dan, so much fun. Thank you so much for this. Thanks, guys. Take care. I'm Sam Sanders, campaign reporter. I'm Tamara Keith. I cover the White House and the campaign. I'm Scott Detrow, campaign reporter. And thank you for listening to the NPR Politics Podcast. Mm -hmm. 